Hey everybody, welcome back to Podcast of the Galactic Heroes. Um, we're doing the last two episodes of Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex Second Gig. We're here. We're done. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's it. Uh, there, this I'm imagining will still be a very full length episode yes. because they are uh, dense, chunky <laughs> to say the least. Dense to put it lightly. Uh, that would be generous of me. There's yeah. a lot of ideas that may or may not get finished upon here. Yeah, they probably needed another three or four episodes to actually touch on a lot of the topics that they probably should have got to. But you know, yeah, that's how a lot of these animes end, where they like. Dilly dally around the oh, middle shit. of it and then realize, oh shit, episode 26 is here. Yeah. I like, <laughs> I had a serious time where I like paused the episode and um, stopped and thought to myself, like, when was I supposed to be endeared to Kuze? <laughs> when was I supposed to care about this guy? Like, oh, yeah. I was like, trying to like dig through my memory like when was it when he was like a, a weird I, I baby that was. was a shitty baby like was, i don't know what they when they wanted it it was during ishikawa's <laughs> vr cyberspace powerpoint presentation <laughs> when they realized they hadn't given any of his backstory and needed to fill yeah. it in <laughs> it's okay we all nodded off during that episode so oh man I do remember when the major went to the mind palace and met a, a small child but that's it <laughs> Well, it's episodes 25 and 26. Kubo, would you like to take it away on uh, half one here? Yeah. Uh, So we begin 25 where we left off on 24 with Kuze at the top of that crane using the rocket launcher with his buddies to shoot down that uh, ECM uh, plane that was flying around that was jamming everything. And of course, uh, since that plane obviously exploded and crashed, the Jigabachi copters, which are around our, um, you know, flying towards him. He's trying to get their attention so the other guys don't get shot. But this angers the copters. Yeah, this angers the helicopters and he's trying to like get the helicopter's attention so it doesn't murder all of his little friends. Yeah. But his friends are idiots C- and Cuse shoot at literally it. like dude like pivots, whips out a stinger, fires at it like fucking solid snake, and then like rolls behind cover. The Jigabachi starts shooting at him and then like he's like, Alright, I did it. Those ding dongs can run away. And then all of them are like, Oh no, Kuze Help and like you, point Kuse. their AKs at the super murder hornet copter and are just like, This is going to work out. And Kuze's like, You stupid it oh my god. And they just get turned to Swiss cheese. Yeah, they are shredded and no longer there. So um one of the choppers yeah, fires. They're taking they're they're taking anti armor rounds. Many <laughs> anti armor rounds. Yeah, the it's kind of gruesome actually. There's a lot of blood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, one of the helicopters shoots a missile at Kuze, and there's an explosion, and uh, he kind of like flies off the crane thing that he's on, and the major sees this because she's running, you know, toward towards her get go to go get him, you know. A, a lot of this finale takes place in this warehouse district. Yeah. Um, so we got the title card. We cut over to section nine team. So this is Bato, uh, Saito, Boma, and pause. The last one. Pause. Yes, I can't forget the guy who fucks. Um, they're being <laughs> who chased. may or may not be that guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're being chased by section four. Um, obviously, like through these like dark alleys downtown. Like it's a slum district kind of city. So yeah, it's like all claustrophobic and stuff. Uh, Bato's saying like they got to move faster than section four because section four is a bigger team and they're cloaked and section four isn't. Until Section 4 realizes, hey, you know that ECM thing? No, that's down. We can turn on our cloaks and use radios now, huh? And yeah, so they're, they, like, reasonably competent as military units go. Yeah, they're a lot smarter than some of the other, uh, at least JDF stuff that we've seen. These guys yeah. know what they're doing. Yeah, these characters are here to be, like, a Actual threatening threat. foil to Section 9, yeah. which means they have to also be, like, quite good at their job. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, we cut over to the Congress building. The chief is dragging a guard inside the room they're in. He's knocked out. Um, Proto's still kind of like incapacitated on the floor, but able to talk. Uh, he's they plugged contacting... his head into the comms. Yeah, he's still bleeding that like alien android blood out of his head, but you know, he's okay. He's talking. Uh, he con- I still don't get what Proto's deal is. <laughs> he's an android, but with human bits. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's basically a Tachikoma in a human body. More or less. I just don't get why he's here is what I mean. Oh. <laughs> More than anything. That's like, something we'll probably made, get like, to a, at the end, I think. Could it's, they have made like a Tachikoma babies? Smaller <laughs> Tachikoma? I, I think it was more they needed the Togusa to go do like actual action <laughs> stuff. So they needed someone to fill in the role of chauffeur for the chief. Right, right. So if I learned anything from the Muppets franchise, it's that we should absolutely make Tachikoma babies and it's its own series. And yeah, yeah, free. (laughs) It's just them discussing Kantian philosophy over the heads of like everybody without a PhD for 20 minutes. But very small. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So he's getting in contact with the Tachikomas who have informed him that the sub is still sitting out there. The nuclear sub is still sitting out there doing nothing uh, and that the ECM plane is down. And the chief is like, hey, you know, we can call the crew now since the ECM isn't up. Um, we cut over to Togusa, who's walking around in the hallway doing sneaky spy stuff. He uh, is trying to get to the prime minister right now, and he, like, spots some guards, which are apparently in front of the room she's being held in. He does some social engineering. This is like, hey, how's it hey going? Hey, guys. And they and don't buy like, it for a second, but he gets close enough to beat the shit out of them. It's yeah, it's pretty funny. funny. He, like, tackles both of them. He make a pretty good yeah. linebacker. But yeah, he knocks him out. Yeah, um, he, he, he just like says, he's like, oh, I'm here from the order of the secretary. And he's like kind of like breaking it up as he like kind of lunges at him. And they're like, he's like accelerating. And they're like, wait, what? And then he just like <laughs> jams his elbow in one of their throats. And then, yeah, just like falls on the other guy. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, so he opens the door. The prime minister's there with an aide. Um, he's like, listen, you got to come with us to the chief. And she's agreeable to that because she's basically under house arrest she's in jail yeah uh we cut over the cyberspace good is in there he's floating around he learns that the ecm is down and then kuze you know is doing this to reunite the refugees obviously and he's like it's time for my finishing touches haha and he tells the jdfs to do an airstrike i don't know how he does this how he has the authority but somehow he gets this to happen so he's pulling strings yeah uh he is very smug and then ask an aide in real space to mail a letter for him um, it's like an actual envelope. So he gives that off, which will come this up in the next episode. Yep. Yeah. What is, uh, uh, remind me, what is Goda's title? He's he the head the, of the CIS. Yes. Okay. He works directly under Takakumi, the cabinet minister. Takakura. Takakura, yeah. He's like, uh, and then the question is, now, does that implicate that he would have to go through it? We'll get there. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it's either he's pulling he, strings and like directly propagating the own army, or he's doing it through Takakura, which probably makes more sense. Because Takakura yeah. is actually running the show right now. Yeah. Um, so the Tachikomas get in contact with the Major um, and Bato's team since the ECM is down. They give them a sit rep. I'll skip it since we know everything. Um, the Major tells Bacho to go to the bridge where the JDSF is and explain the situation and hand over the nuke. Or not the nuke, the plutonium. Uh, Bato informs her that Section 4 is still telling them, but he will give it his best shot. Uh, the Major is going to make his, uh, the major makes her way over to where Kuze is because he's kind of on the ground after the whole explosion from helicopters deal. Um, he gets up and they kind of have like a meeting saying like, oh, this is the fourth time I've met you. Why are you following me? Maybe it's because you're a revolutionary trying to, you know, 
declare your own nation, but who knows? Do you like me? Maybe you tried to buy nukes from the Russians in order to secede. I don't know, dude. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't get why he's asking this question, but he's obviously, like, number one on the most wanted list at this point. Yeah, (laughs) man, you are, like... A- anyone who sees you is liable to follow you at this point, man. Yeah, whether <laughs> like, it's for arresting yeah. purposes, murder purposes, or because you're a charismatic leader of a revolution going on, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Many reasons. Anyway, she tells them to follow him or there'll be massive casualties explained, and she goes on to explain, like, the Gota's nuke gambit thing that's going on. And, like, the people are going to blame you if the nukes go off, so you need to come with me. Um, he starts approaching her casually, and she's kind of cautious at it, and uh, she he asks who she is. And we don't get a resolution to this. Nope. Because the Tachikomas are in cyberspace, and they're watching that sub. And oops, one of the hatches on the top has just opened. Uh, they're talking about how the ICBMs that the sub has fired go straight into the stratosphere, so obviously they won't be able to trace them back to the sub as easily. Um, they overlay the blast radius of the nuke on the map of Dejima, and it's basically the entire island. It, it's plus, Dejima. Yeah, it's Dejima plus like some of the ocean around it. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like the blast rate is not even the fallout or anything like that. So Japanese miracle. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, so the Tachikomas are like, well, this sucks. What can we do? And one of them's like, well, maybe we should broadcast a visual feed. And another one's like, pictures don't prove anything. They could be edited and photoshopped. You know, it's an unknown source at an inconvenient time. No one would believe this. Um, and another Tachikoma was like, hey, are those boats firing missiles now? Uh, we cut over the Bato and the crew. Um, they are going through the city doing the whole sneaky thing. Section 4 is catching up on them. Uh, they go invisible as the Tachikomas warn them of the incoming airstrike from the JDF cruisers. Uh, Bato, there's a cool shot here of Bato shooting a water jug in this hallway to fill it up. because then We get more see... camo porn, basically. Yeah. I feel this is also kind of a uh, reference to the first movie because they had that whole scene of the guy getting beat up in water. Yeah. The, the, the whole yeah. footsteps thing is kind of cool. Uh, the Major starts seeing the missiles go over her head and the bombardment starts and we see some footage of just the town getting blown up. It's kind of indiscriminate. They don't really seem to be firing at anything in particular. Oh, yeah. This is, like, just slaughter at this point. Yeah. So she's like, Kuze, what's it going to be? Am I going to have to knock you out or are you coming with me? And he's like, I'm telling the refugees what's happening. Uh, I'm going to let it be their final decision on whether or not I hand over the plutonium. But for the time being, let's, let's go to the bridge. Yeah, he doesn't want to stick around the warehouse district where the missiles are falling. So we see more missiles fall. Uh, and oops, one of them blows up right behind the major. She gets hit by debris from behind and gets knocked out. Kuze kind of goes over to her and then the ground falls out from underneath them. And they fall underground into, I don't know, some garage or something. I, it's a little, yeah, weird. I'm assuming this entire island is just filled <coughs> with like passageways and shit underneath it. But yeah, they fall underground and get covered by debris. So they're effectively trapped underground. And this is where they're going to be for the rest of the show. Yep. In, <laughs> inside the philosophy hole. <laughs> 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 so we get a cut to new reports saying the refugees are firing back and uh we get sorry we get a cut to a news report i said new report a news report <laughs> saying that the refugees are fighting back and the jds is doing this you know the security area for the u.n inspection it's just propaganda really um ishikawa is watching this on his car's tele uh, his car's television because he has broken himself out of the hospital um he calls up the tachikomas and asks him what's going on he learns that the major is missing in action but bato and the crew are okay uh, the Tachikoma that was dispatched to him like three episodes ago finally like drives across the entire country and catches up to him. So they start driving off towards Spring 9. Yes, and he gets the plutonium from the Tachikoma. Yeah. 
they never show that actually. Like it's in the car with him in the next episode, but they never yeah, show him get out and grab like it. it. It hands it over. Basically, the Tachikoma hands it over to him, and he's got it for the rest yeah. of time. Um. So we cut over to the parliament. Uh, Toga's son, the prime minister, is sneaking around. It doesn't matter. We cut back to the rubble pile where Kuze is has shielded the major during the fall. Um, they're on the ground, and there's not much they can do. Uh, she asks the Tachikomas for a, a sit rep, and there's like the nukes can start any minute because the sub is doing its whole prepping procedure for firing it, and that the self defense force is still doing its missile strikes. Uh, and then once we uh, see kind of after the sit rep report, Kuze's walking around looking at how they can get out. Uh, we pan over. The major has her foot kind of like stuck under this metal iron beam. And it's quite obvious that aside from ripping her leg out, which she's shown to have no problem with, actually, uh, she's <laughs> kind of stuck. Yeah, that was, yeah big, big problem for me there is, yeah, she's like shown that th- this is not actually like a real issue in any way, shape or form. I mean, I guess part of it is that they're also covered in rubble and without two working yeah. legs, even her super strength probably wouldn't do much for that. Yeah. Also, like, how are you yeah. going to run across this island with a peg leg? It's like, eh. I get it's, it, kind of. It's fair enough. She's also yes. trying to arrest a dude, and it might be more difficult. With one <laughs> like, <leg. laughs> True. Yeah. yeah fair. Um, so she asks Kuze about the refugees, and he's like, "Yeah, they're all fucking panicking because they have missiles coming down on top of them." And we see a montage Weird. of basically a war zone at this point. There's like fucked up refugees everywhere. Things are exploding. Stuffs on fire. It's not not looking great. Um. So Kuze, realizing he has nothing else to do, starts asking her questions about the nuclear strike and like, who do you work for? Uh, she says that she's basically a cop, which I kind of laughed cop, at. You idiot! <laughs> uh, she said she was investigating the individual eleven, and while in the course of this investigation, she undercovered a government conspiracy to drive out the refugees. And she's been chasing him ever since because he's the best way for her to pin it on the people she needs to pin it on. Uh, he asked why they brought the nukes. Um, He's like, well, she's like, well, we're going to use it as evidence, but we didn't expect to go to the booths or fast or to cut off the, or to do the deal with the Americans. Um, basically, it's covering stuff that we already know, so yeah. I won't really get into it too much. Um, he asked about the plutonium, like, well, where is it now? And she's like, well, my teammates have it, but they're being chased by government agents. Um, yeah, and this is where they start examining her foot situation. It's obvious there's no escaping. The I-beam is, like, wrapped around it. Yeah, it's very fortuitous for Kuze, I guess. Yeah. Um, so he announces to her that he has turned off his Cyberbrain's IP filter and that anybody, like anywhere, I guess, in the world now can connect and see what's happening. I don't know if this is a great idea, if your hardware can handle it, but sure. Um, he's like, even if they, we plan to, he says that even if they get out of this rubble situation, uh, he still plans to do his resolution and his mind was made up when he learned of the airstrike. And she's like, Actually, could you tell us about this revolution of yours? Because we haven't heard about it in the last 25 episodes. <laughs> we, so. we need a little more of that. So so instead of uh, learning about that, we cut over the Bato. Uh, he's in the hallway. <laughs> he's like asking the Tachikomas, like, right, have you been backhacking the Section 4 people? They'd be kind of nice if you could turn off their, you know, thermoptic camo. But before that ends, the firefight breaks out in the hallway. Uh, we cut back to the major. Uh, she asks why Kuze has become a refugee leader and how he broke the individual 11 virus. Good questions. Yeah. Uh, he, he's like, I always wanted to liberate the refugees from the start. Sure. And then he says the individual 11 virus happened because of that. And he doesn't really explain that. I guess he was just reading all the available so, literature. Yeah. I, I think it's either, it's either that or the other idea. The idea I thought he was trying to come away with was like, 
he had the virus and he just came to the series of ideas naturally that made the virus pop off or something. Like, it's just his beliefs happened to line up so perfectly that it just went off, which... It would at least be like sense, some though. kind of character building and it also doesn't make sense because yeah then he's like later on he's like yeah actually I uh, turned out I didn't agree with it and that's why I was fine which is like well then what the fuck yeah. <laughs> to me it doesn't make sense because like they show his JDSF days which is like when like that episode with the Ishikawa PowerPoint he was like saw the refugees and presumably that's where he got the whole idea of like these refugees are people and they need to be protected and have their own life you know and then later on, he would get the virus because it was shown that the virus only comes out when you read those 11 papers or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. like, I, I don't, maybe he was just doing his homework for his yeah, like, like I, revolution. I How do people Patrick do revolutions? Sylvester is the guy who writes about revolutions. So he, he downloaded all the material or whatever. Yeah. I guess he was doing his research before he tried out on his goon project. And <laughs> yeah, but anyway, he goes on. He goes on to say that he joined the individual 11, or after he joined the individual 11, he noticed the difference in their motivation, so he broke the. This is never touched upon again. I don't know where he was going, how he got out of it. It's They're really trying to tie the first half of the season in here, and it's a bit yeah. tough. Again, it could have had some another episode to explain better what's yeah. going on. Or just like a little bit more time earlier on to like kind of give us inklings that this is a thing that was happening, yeah. right? Yeah, so she asked, like, why uh, refugee liberation was you going around Eurasia and after your events in Korea part of that? And he's like, nope, it just was kind of to reaffirm my motives of revolution. And then he drops the phrase, like, uh, it's about the transference of people to a superstructure, cast off from the fossilized system and fused with the net. Uh, he's saying this as he's trying to lift this giant stone slab to get themselves out of the rubble, but he fails. This is not symbolism. Release the slab. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the oh, major it's going to get even funnier. This, oh, is this rubble pile. This is the most symbolic rubble pile you've ever oh seen. Oh my god! Oh, there, yeah, there is a moment where I was like, "Damn, damn, damn!" Yeah, I laughed. Yeah. <laughs> We're all talking about the same, the same bit. Moment. We all it's know. So on the Absolutely, a hundred percent. Yeah, you. If you've watched the episodes before listening to this, you also know. <laughs> <laughs> you also know what we mean. Yeah, so the major, like, he's babbling about his revolution. The major's kind of surprised at the people with the fusing with the net part, because that seems something the major likes. But uh, the Tachikomas, meanwhile, are still working on hacking the Section 4's camo. It's taking time. They kind of wonder if they can, uh, you know, is it possible that we may also be able to hack the American Empire sub? And this one Tachikoma's like, oh, that's impossible. They go into silent running, thank you. And this other dude's like, you know, one of the crew members probably has like an illegal Wi-Fi thing, reading emails. We could probably break in during that. Can we hack his Facebook? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that basically. is probably true. Right? <laughs> yes. Definitely. If you lived on a sub for like 12 months at a time. Like, I know someone, someone in the Merchant would. Navy. They absolutely break <laughs> that shit all the time. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, from the stories I've heard of folks like deployed, in the Middle East there was always issues of like the only internet they were allowed to use was like super duper regulated and like real you know like hardcore like that so yeah they would just break free and use illegal Wi-Fi yeah. time, which uh, yeah fair breaking OPSEC to post on Instagram you know <laughs> yeah 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 gotta one sec I gotta go post uh, the tank specs to the War Thunder <laughs> forums cause I'm mad <laughs> Um, so we cut back to the chief and proto in the room. Uh, Togusa and the prime minister arrive. She's ready to call the American Empire to tell them to stop the nuke strike. Like, I guess Togusa filled her in on the way. That's their plan. Stop uh, doing the nukes. 
We cut to section nine, running from section four. They arrive in a dead end. Um, it's kind of like this big courtyard area, and section four surrounds them. Uh, we get a shot of, like, from Bato's point of view, of him looking at these cloaked figures um, with the hacking in progress, and section four tells him to drop the plutonium. Uh, the Tachikomas then notify him that it's very nice that the hack is now done. And he's Good like, time. okay, I'm going to put down the case. And while he does so, the hack goes off. Section four starts panicking because they can't see shit. Uh, section nine, like, runs away and gets the safety. Uh, then Bato tells them, is like, listen, I'm going to turn off my camo. Uh, you need to see my face. You can shoot me afterwards, maybe, but you need to listen to what I have to say. This is a matter of life and death. So he's in the middle of the courtyard with, like, guns akimbo, and he turns off his camo, and Section 4 is immediately surprised to see Bato. And we see the rest of Section 4 turn off their camo, and uh, it turns out underneath, like, the goggles they were wearing, they all have that same, like, round cylinder eye thing that Bato has. The Bato eyes. Yeah. Um, and they recognize him immediately as a former Section 4 Ranger. And so they lower his guns. Because we've seen before that the commander was kind of uh, wary of running after these guys, the Section 9 team, because he knew like they were supposed to be going after self-defense force members. So it seems weird. So One I guess, of us. One <laughs> yeah, of basically. us. Yeah, Bato actually using his brains for once. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cut back to Kuze. Uh, he's saying that after the Korean War, he saw stuff, di- or after the war in Korea, I should say. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah. He saw stuff differently. Um, he saw that life was uh, full of contradictions, um, he, the exploitation by the powerful, corruption, etc. Your standard, you know, revolutionary rant. He saw how people took no responsibility for anything. They hadn't created anything for themselves and understood nothing. And he also brings up the fact that like, when the masses come across information that they agree with, they internalize it as truth and are thus controlled. So, again, more kind of the same things that's touched in season one a little bit, but his own revolutionary spin on it. We're going to get like even more of this next episode with a slightly different spin, but it's definitely one of the bits that could have used a bit more time cooking. Yes, I feel that his perspective on the situation versus like Goda's perspective on the situation, they both kind of talk about the same t- subject in a way. But they both have radically different views on it. Yeah. Particularly like the controlling of information. But again. It was like, it's good actually. Yeah. They could have gone into another episode to philosophize on this. But um, he goes on to say that when there's no responsibility for your actions on the net, that's a poor use of the internet and uh, revolution and revenge. This is a revolution on revenge on those people that do that. Uh, he says that he's had a prosthetic body since an early age and he's hated it and the disparity between the mental and the physical he's wanted to escape to the net. But since all the refugees he sought were nice to him, he's given them a reason to live. And he says that um, uh, he says that they could see his ghost in his face even though he was, you know, a made-up body, a prosthetic body. And, and he specifically says they were flattering him. Yeah. Like, like, he still doesn't fully believe it, yeah. Yeah, and he learned that, the, like, the mind and body are inseparable and he this like kind of taught him to think of himself as human. Like it's a huge like body dysphoria thing, I guess he had going on, but the refugees were super nice to him. So it helped them out. Uh, People in a random rural village in China were willing to feed him and take selfies with him. So, (laughs) so um, he said that, you know, in the end, the refugees chose information that suits them and they'll follow the path of least resistance. Um, and she goes on to say like, Hey, that's cool and everything. But, uh, what exactly is your revolution by the way? Just wondering, I got nothing better to do. And so here at the end of episode 25 of a 26 episode series, he says that, uh, he's going to force everybody who's connected with him into the net. Um, if the nuke is going to, I, I, I legitimately, by the way, had to 
uh, like I was kind of like I was watching and I was mostly paying attention. <laughs> and um, he was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna bring everyone into the internet." And I had to like rewind. And I was like, "I'm sorry, did I miss context for this?" <laughs> no, <laughs> like, I was like uh, that kind of felt like it came out of nowhere. I let me rewind the for the last minute. Tie. Also, we seems like no, a okay. terrible yeah, just idea. Super structure, I guess. We're all far too online, and I think we can all agree <laughs> nobody should be even more online than us. <laughs> yeah, so the context yeah. of this is um, he's saying that if the nuke is dropped, they're all going to lose their bodies, obviously, but they can undergo a forced evolution if they upload their ghosts and memories to the net. And this is kind of touched on a bit earlier when he said that like his cyber brain was completely open and anybody could dive in. But, like, no one went under his ghost line because that would kill them. Well, like, the whole idea is he wants people to connect to them so he can force them to stay with their ghosts connected on the net. So I'm guessing guess. every huge transhumanist is uh, big on this show. <laughs> yeah, and again, yeah. this is another topic that they could have explored a lot more. It's like the first yeah. movie, yeah. the 97 movie, talks about this a bit, obviously. But it's... A very complicated subject with a lot of stuff that they could, you know, delve into. But spend a twenty-six episode yeah. series really drilling down on. Yeah, they really should have explored this topic way earlier in the series. It's really, yeah, it's really fascinating. Like, it's a really good thing to just like discuss in any style because, like, even uh, Cowboy Bebop has an episode about mm. this, basically, right? Like the whole thing of like copy your brain onto the internet. That's the same as living forever, basically, right? Yeah. Like they could have just gone ham and it. It feels fucked up that Goofy Cowboy Time, Cowboy Bebop, like, <laughs> went proper more in-depth on it than this show did when it's, like, a really core, I feel, to this show's identity. <laughs> yeah, especially considering the movie and everything. Plus, like, think of all, yeah. like, the different of opinions that could have been, like, in Section 9 alone based on, like, yeah. what do you think of transhumanism on the net? Because, like, the major would have had something completely different than Togaso would have. Yeah. It would have been interesting to yeah. see those sides, but... It also kind of feels like, given that this is Kuze's ultimate plan, like, we could have used a lot more of this. Like, they're getting into the whole, yeah. we can form a different type of society on the internet thing, but it really does feel like it comes a bit too late in the season to actually yeah. pay yeah. off. And, like, and there's a lot of interesting perspectives that could come from the different members of the cast, too, because, like, you mentioned Togusa and the Major, but even, like, Bato, who mm -hmm. were, like... Bato clearly has like some level of attachment to the physical still, right? That's like yeah. part of why he gets like weight training equipment, mm -hmm. even though it doesn't do anything for him anymore. Yeah. Even the babies so, like, basically already exist online. Yeah, the Tachikomas yeah, alone even, could have yeah. had episodes talking about this. Yeah. They just yeah. didn't know where they were going, to be honest. With, with Gota and Kuze, you have... You There's have, a lot competing. Yes, you mm -hmm. have too many things competing, and Gota, like... He's the more interesting character, and then they kind of realized that Kuze was actually, I, I, his stuff was where the whole philosophy was going. Yeah, so I think one of the stuff. things that separates this uh, second season from the first season is the first season had a lot more cyberpunk and sort of futurist technological ideas in them, especially with the standalone episodes. But season two is more of just a political thriller. Yeah. So the whole technological advancement and philosophy behind it just kinds of get thrown to the wayside because we're in, you know, go to the So that we can talk ride. about refugees. Yeah. But I'm sure we'll have more to talk about this later. Um, to continue <laughs> on, she asks if they can retain their individuality on the net. Uh, he's not sure, but uh, it might be able to enlighten those left behind in the physical world the same way humans look up the spiritual beings. And like, I think there, this is during the scene, like a god ray comes through the ceiling. Yep. It's, yeah. Yeah. He's saying that it's like these pioneers may leave stuff for the next round of people who try it. So he doesn't. Even, he's not even sure if it's going to work. Yeah. 
she is, of course, completely shocked by this plan, as most rational people would be. Uh, he notices that she is full prosthetic and says, like, hey, um, you must have had the same doubts that I had regarding, you know, my place in the world with a, you know, non-physical body and everything. And he offers his, his hand out to her in salvation and is <laughs> like, will you come with us? And there's, like, kind of a moment here where she, like, considers it and looks at his hand. And then she, like, kind of sidesteps the question and is like, do all the refugees want to go? Because you can't bring them with you. That's, they, they need to have their own consent, I guess. And he says that most of them wanted to uh, do the suicide nuke because they don't want it to be defeated by the army. They think it would look so. bad. Yeah. They, they say like they would rather blow up their own nuke than have the American Empire nuke them because, you know, they don't want to go down as being defeated. Uh, but he says like that too is kind of taking the easy way out of this entire situation. And he just kind of sits down next to her and she reflects on his offer for a moment. And there's, you know, another just moment of her just re- reflecting on all this. The Major then calmly radios Bato and says that she's got to go along with Kuze's plan to, refu- to rescue the refugees. Um, and he is to tell the JDSF about the American nuclear strike and they get it basically get out of the way, get, get away from here. Don't get nuked, kid. Yeah. Uh, she's then like, hey, Bato, are you actually listening to me? Uh, we cut over the Bato. He's running through the middle of the city, uh, screaming, calling her a crazy bitch, and he's not going to let her go alone. So uh, Bato's <laughs> kind of upset about her plan. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of get a montage here of the Section 9 and Section 4 team, because they're working together now at this point. Uh, they're walking through Dejima, and the refugees are just kind of sitting down in the middle of the street and waiting. And it's kind of eerie. Um, again, this is kind of a, a play to another work um, Pat Labor to. It's another eerie city situation going on. Neither Section 4 nor Section 9 knows what's happening. They're like, huh, that's weird. Hope that doesn't anyway. mean anything. <laughs> yeah. It's got like really big, like cult about to do a thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Vibes. Yes. That's a good way of describing it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they continue on the way to the bridge. Uh, we cut to the bridge. Uh, and dead. You might, if you remember a couple episodes back, the rebels, um, blew up part of it. Like they broke the, just so like the army couldn't just walk on in. Um, there's like a big bridge building machine now. So the, Self-defense force is ready to actually get troops to run into the city. Um, and they're going to apparently got to go after the next airstrike. And so we see a montage of the ships getting ready for their next airstrike. And then an ominous satellite footage of that American Empire sub to end the episode. Neat. I'm sure that sub's not going to do anything. Nope, definitely not. <coughs> All right. Episode 26, wherein my wife kills me for calling it. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about this at the end, yes. Uh, so we open on airstrikes from Dejima, General Chaos, and the Tachikoma watching the airstrikes and wondering what they can do about all this. Uh, Major calls into them, asking them to reserve as much AWS S3 space as they possibly can to upload the memories of 3 million people onto the net. And this is how AWS uh, US West goes down. <laughs> Yeah, basically. <laughs> AP Northeast one that probably already got nuked at this point. Um, so they're skeptical, but Motoko's just like, nah, just do it for me. And they're like, all right, Major. Uh, you realize what this bill's going to be. <laughs> She's like, I'm rich. I'll pay it. It's fine. Section we, can't, we can't upload them to Pachinko again. We got in so much fucking trouble when we uploaded all those old people to Pachinko last time. True. <laughs> so she tells Kuse that she's going to go along and help with this plan. Uh, but wonders about the refugees without their cyber, without cyber brains. Yeah, because if they're just humans, they can't exactly upload themselves to the net. So they're probably mm. just going to die. 
Oh, Kuze yeah. says that, ah, oh, don't worry. The people who are getting screwed by this are probably going to lose faith in me and leave of their own accord in like the 15 minutes before a nuke hits us, I guess. I guess um, maybe he means like some of the people outside of Dejima who are connected I guess to him. This whole conversation is weird because Major's then like, oh no, they'll understand. Leaders have to make tough decisions sometime. <laughs> it's a weird conversation. You have to leave. You have to make a tough decision to leave people behind sometimes mm-hmm. as a leader. Mm-hmm. It's like, what? Why? <laughs> by leaving them behind means in nuclear hellfire. Yeah. Yeah. Letting him get hit by a nuclear explosion. Yeah, cool, man. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> they, they don't mind. So, so Bato is running through the warehouse district asking the Tachikomas where the major is, but gets basically a missile lands right next to him and they lose the connection to him before they can tell him. Uh, back in cyberspace, the babies start to debate, like, if Major's orders will actually work. Do, do you really think that uploading these people's memories onto the net will preserve their ghosts? And they're basically like, well, no, you can't copy a ghost over. That would be dumb. And eventually one of them talks the others into disobeying their orders in or- their orders in order to help, like, a better solution for it. I love the babies. And Unfortunately. I'm glad, I'm glad my prediction's coming true. Sort <laughs> Again, of. This, this whole conversation of the Tachikomas explaining or discussing what makes up a ghost could have been a whole episode, but... Yep. Yeah. They have to bust through it, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so we cut over to Kayabuki's office where she's wearing a visual boy, uh, but she isn't getting any <laughs> response from the U.S., well, they gave up their visual boys ages ago. That's true, yeah. They gave her a deadline. Uh, she laments that, like, she knew that she was a figurehead, but she doesn't deserve to be treated like this. This is ridiculous that the American Empire isn't even answering her calls. Hey, I'm Prime Minister, sort of, More I or guess. less. Kind of. As far America's, as you know. As far as America knows, she's still the Prime Minister. Exactly. Know? So, she picks up the phone and decides to make a call to someone else, but Aramaki's like, Who are you calling? Which begins this weird little baiting cycle that happens like four times in this episode. Yeah. Who could she be contacting? Mm -hmm. Uh, We cut to a satellite that's starting to deorbit, at which point Serene starts staring at me angrily. She did do this. (laughs) I did. We'll we'll explain exactly why uh, at the end of the episode. We know where this is going. Um, The babies are basically pushing these satellites out of orbit to create a flat curtain that'll stop the nuke. Unfortunately, they realize that one of these satellites, because they were just knocking American satellites out of the air for it, is the one that their AIs are kept on. Um, so they, they they freak out a little bit, and they're like, "Why are we on an American satellite, Major?" <laughs> of course, she's you know on radio contact. Like, why would the Major put us on an American satellite? Well, because SpaceX needs money, and it was real cheap. <laughs> Basically, yeah, they for spying. They say that it was basically an American satellite launch from Japan, so they probably just said, "Hey, can we keep a hard drive on here with our baby's souls on them?" We saw the satellite, you know, episodes ago. It's the uh, one at the end of the episode of the Tachikomas figuring out that their ghosts are up in space. Yeah, their memories anyway. Oh, is is this where the babies get military time wrong? Is is that yes? They they work out that the nuke is going to hit at. Oh, 100 hours, but the subtitles and every clock in it says so 10, 10 o'clock. 10 in the morning, yeah. 10 hundred hours, yeah. Terrible. I, I just noticed, I'm like, oh, 100 hours. Like, no, that's not right. That's not Yeah, the job dropped that one. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's actually UTC. Ooh, maybe. Because Japan, yeah, is, Japan is na- plus eight 
of UTC or plus seven, I guess, depending on where you may be. Maybe the babies work on UTC. 1 a.m., sure. Yeah. Uh, Please, the babies definitely work on Swatch Beats. (laughs) They definitely work on internet time. (laughs) You know, this takes place in 2033 or whatever, so I wonder if they ever fix the Unix time problem for the Itachi Komas or if they're just going to reset themselves in, you know, 2037. Well, we may never find out. So uh, cut over to Ichikawa where the Tachikoma with him kind of drives up to him and says, there's something important that I need to do with the others. He like kind of has this pensive look where he's about to pry, but he's like, he seems to know what's about to happen. So he lets her go over and she kind of shuts down like, so you can join the she IRC doesn't just shut down. She like physically ragdolls. Like yeah, I expected like a Half-Life 2 sound effects, <laughs> like the meat slam and shit to go off. The, the Havoc <laughs> physics takes over. Yes. <laughs> Uh, back into the Dejima warehouses, Bato is running around looking for, uh, starts desperately digging through the rubble, asking where the major is because he still doesn't really know. She's right below him with Kuze, uh, asking if he knows how to fold origami cranes with his left hand. He's really dismissive at first and says, like, anyone could do that with the right software. She's like, that's not what I mean. Come on. Uh, he flips the question back on her and she says, I can now. And they share a knowing look. This, uh, I kind of like how the scene is done because they both never directly, you know, address like, oh, you're the person I knew as a kid. They kind of yeah. dance around it, which makes sense for their characters. So I thought that was kind of cool. They but they like... do also have pretty much figured it out oh, yeah, by this yeah, point. Yeah, they know. They just don't But yes, say they it. are both the kind of person who would never say it out loud. Yeah. Uh, so... He says that she looks like she's endured loneliness too and finally asks what her name is. Uh, she says that she doesn't recall, but that she's had a, had a pseudonym, just like him. Uh, Kuze is basically like, yeah, the refugees have given me countless names. I really, I wanted to save them, but I wonder if I really did it just to keep the loneliness at bay. And Major's like, you idiot. It didn't work because everyone relied on you without the opposite being true. You couldn't rely on any of those losers. <laughs> Uh, Kuze asks if she has someone that she can open up to, <laughs> and the major's oh, like, she, she sort of thinks about it yes, for a minute, yes. and she's like, yeah, I think we do, as we hard cut up to Bato, who is desperately digging about at the rubble above them, carrying a literal eye beam as a cross. <laughs> it's so heavy. Like, angry. literally... He, like, literally has the thing, like, a huge metal I-beam cross, like a crucifix, hefted over his shoulder and is using the point of it to dig. We have gone for full the ma- stations like- of the cross here. I saw that shit in church as a kid. <laughs> Holy shit. It was so funny. Like, I-, I legitimately just had to stop and go, wow. <laughs> Do you get it? There were, like, four or five <laughs> spiritual references, and this one's by far the most heavy-handed of them all. <laughs> He has it's someone so you can rely funny. on. Also, as an aside... It's funny, too, because it's like Bato. Bato's not like a Christ figure. He's just a meathead dum-dum <laughs> who like, happens to be nice to babies. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> also, as an aside, I know Bato is like a you know military-grade cyborg, but that I-beam cross is several tons. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot even for him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we cut over to the shore by the bridge where Chief Bro is, ac- is evacuating the refugees near the chi- near the bridge. Uh, he's like, we'll, we'll be safe from missiles near like near this bridge. They wouldn't hit themselves. So just stay calm, everybody. He puts a uh, lot of faith on the JDF not doing friendly fire situations. On a you would zone. think, yeah. 
And this is the point where the nuclear submarine finally fires off the nuke and tender music starts to play. I, I think we do see that the blast zone would, in fact, encompass where the army yes, is. Yes, the bridge yes. is getting taken the fuck out <laughs> the here. The bridge is so, yeah. Again, it's I, the refugees who are supposed to be setting off this nuke and the Americans don't care. It's just the yeah. perfect ending to the play. The chief was the chief's brother was talking about like the conventional missiles that were yes, being fired. Yes, they don't know the about the, the nuke yeah. yet. Yeah, this, it's just strike. a matter of, like, any reasonable person evaluating the situation would be like, well, they wouldn't fire a nuke at us. Yeah. That'd be fucking wild. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, the, the music that plays here, by the way, is uh, I Do. And this is the same music that was playing during the scene or during the episode earlier where the Major learns of the backstory with Kuze as kids. But yep. that was the instrumental version. This is the lyrical version. So this yes. music is really good. I like it. And as we get that, uh, Bato yells for Motoko as she and Kuze share some apples, and we get like a uh, a scene of him of like her taking a bite out of an out of a real apple, and like him kind of holding onto one and like looking up at it. And actually, he, you, you just not... barely start to get some facial motion from him. This is actually a bit different, and uh, he takes a bite of an apple, she does not, and this right. is again a spiritualism thing. Um, yes, we'll see why. <laughs> Yes, you get to see him like moving his face very slightly, and oh boy, we're gonna get there. Um, so then we hear the Tachikoma start singing, and we get cuts of everyone as the Tachikoma satellite deorbits and stops the nuke, which explodes above the city as their IRC chat fades away as they sing about how they are alive and their hearts are beating and they're happy to sacrifice themselves for all their friends. Uh, and Serena will probably have to take over narrating this at this point after she strangles me. <laughs> okay, okay, so story time. After we finished recording the podcast, like, last episode, uh, I was talking about my prediction that the Tachikomas would, you know, beat Gota. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, damn, I hope it, the show doesn't kill off the Tachikomas like they did at the end of season one. And Vegas <laughs> went, hey! What if we crash our satellites? <laughs> I thought I said that on the recording. Into the American submarine, and that's how they win. And I told him if that happened, I would kill him. So. <laughs> well, uh, nice knowing you, Vickers. You're a good friend. Uh. Wow. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's rough to have a final season turn into evidence, but here we are. And when we were watching, <laughs> she got so mad. <laughs> I basically willed these babies dead. You did! <laughs> You're such a monster. I will say that the uh, music that Tachikoma sang about is very similar to the ending of the first season where the Tachikomas are being taken away back to the lab. It's like a very solemn... Singing the work of, song, yeah. Yeah, death march in a way. Yeah. It, this whole scene with the uh, shots of Kuze and Major with the music going into this is very good. Like, it's probably yeah. the most powerful part of this episode. Yeah. Uh, we cut down back to the Prime Minister's office where Proto says that he bets they really do have ghosts. And we do get a quick shot of one of them uploading Tachikoma memories onto the net, um, which I guess is technically what the Major asked them to do. Sure. Following orders at last. But... Proto fills in the chief and Togusa that Tachikomas rammed their satellite into the nuclear missile. Uh, Kayabuki gets kind of concerned about that Section 9 lost men when he's like, some of my men sacrificed themselves to prevent the situation. But Chief is like, 
I don't worry about it. Anyway, who did you call? And then it cuts away again. Hmm. I, I do like that like, they do treat the Tachikomas as people. They're all, like, you know, upset. <laughs> Holy they, shit. Like, even the chiefs, like, you know, some of my men sacrifice themselves rather than, like, in the mm-hmm. first season when they just dismantled them without really caring. You yeah. Know? They're, they're a full it, crew of Section 9 as opposed to just, I don't know, objects or tools. Yep. So we cut to Gota, who is, like, outside now, getting a call that the missile was intercepted. Uh, he's pretty unconcerned, since his whole plan was just to use Kayabuki's actions to start up another Cold War. And he's like, I'm, he's, I'm disappointed that he couldn't become a hero after all. Which is kind of messed up, I guess. What is it with these guys in starting Cold Wars? I love, love Cold War. I don't, Cold Wars make yeah, money, time. Why is it? Uh, so much everybody, better than Warm Wars. Yeah, you got to think about it from a defense contractor point of view. Exactly. You're not making that money unless people are angry at you. I will never. I promise you, I will never think about anything from a defense contractor <laughs> point of view. Tuesday, that I is my promise to you as a fucking human being. Yeah, I will. Not, sorry, can't do that, man. Goda's <laughs> like, I can't be a nasty man if there's no cold war. That's true. Back on the bridge, uh, the members of Section Nine with the plutonium, like wonder whether the, if the Tachikoma sacrificed themselves and they're like, yeah, I swear I could have heard them singing as they went out like that. Um, I think this happened way earlier, but there's also a great shot of section nine and section four running across the bridge with like one of the section four members holding the plutonium over his head. Like we got the football. <laughs> Don't shoot us. I mean, to be fair, they're running straight up to an army that's on edge. That makes yes. sense. They would oh yeah. It's the correct thing to do, but it also looks so amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, we start to get like the snow from the nuclear explosion uh, as the major says that like, Kuze's like, what happened? And major's like, my AIs must have disobeyed me to actually save the day. Unlike our stupid plan. Yeah. At which point Bato finally digs her and Kuze out. And like, they basically slam the cyber cuffs onto Kuze. Yeah. I want to say babies, Tachikomas. I predicted it correctly. We'll and save the day. They're, they're the best. <laughs> Way better than the Major. They saved the day. Best. Major was just in a hole. Best tanks ever. You know, it makes sense if Section 9 just automated and made the Tachikomas the next unit, because, you know, then it would save a lot on, you know, payroll. And it's true. Just pay them in natural oil. Exactly. (laughs) So cut back to the Prime Minister's office, where they're, like, walking down the hallway, and Togus is like, if she contacted who I think she did... And then Aramaki's like, shut up, because the show can't stop baiting us. We need Aramaki. to arrest Takakura and Gota right now. Yeah, I think um, this is where uh, the chief says it, like, the stuff that we just saw today may never be released to the public in our lifetimes, which is yes. kind of cool. Like, I like that line. He's also like, if we're lucky, it'll never get released. <laughs> it's better that this wet work shit never comes out, is basically what he says. Uh, inside Takakura's office, he tries to, like, play dumb and deny everything and be a tough guy until Aramaki's like, look, dude, we know that you specifically set up this whole plutonium shit with Gota and Takakuro, when he knows the jig is up, pivots straight into shitting on Kayabuki. Yeah, he gets like, misogynistic from like zero to 60 instantly here. Yeah, you're, instantly, instantly. And you, you're such a typical, you're even more of a typical weak woman than I thought. I don't know who you begged for help while you were having all your womanly emotions. 
<laughs> but Japan needs to stand on its two feet without the American Empire Says or the guy China. who conspired with the American Empire to nuke the refugees. At yeah. which point, Kayabuki pulls the trump card and is like, I think you don't quite understand this situation. We this cut a- over... Uh, oh, I say, uh, this scene, another thing about the scene, like the whole them talking is fine and everything, but like mm-hmm. it's one of those things, like there's a map behind Takakura here of the world, the world yep. map. And it's one of these right. things, like there's so much world building in this like half second shot of the map that they don't even bring focus to. Like yep. you see that like most of Europe is crater lakes. Most of America's crater lakes, like where Shanghai is completely gone. New Zealand's also gone. I don't know if that was intentional. <laughs> <laughs> But it also New Zealand may or may not have been nuked off the map. We're not sure. Yeah, but it also rest in peace, New Zealand. You said no in the way I like the most. (laughs) Yeah, but it also shows like boundary lines for some of the countries, and there's like five countries, which yeah, I mean, there's like China, there's like Euro Asia, all of like South America and Africa are their own thing, and then America's just kind of split in half. And I can appreciate them not wanting to like directly discuss it and have it oh, yeah. be like a background We've already world got building too thing. I would just I would like to see more of that. Of like mm-hmm. little but ba- yeah, little background things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like little passing mentions of the world this is like, built. I mean, like, did we really need an alive, episode with Angel's Feathers? Heavy handed. Yeah, exactly. Like this is a prime example. This is a great example of show don't tell. You show the map for a half second, you look at it like, wow, that's actually kind of interesting. Like instead of just expositing about how America blew itself up at the end of the Third World War or whatever. Oh hey, Britain still exists. But not Sorry. New Zealand. <laughs> New Zealand's gone, but Britain's still I believe there. it's called Oceana now. <laughs> I would like to... Can we trade for New Zealand again? <laughs> I feel like New Zealand was pretty good. <laughs> so at this point, we cut over to the American nuclear sub, where two dudes who look extremely like American Navy officers... <laughs> yeah, they nailed that one. <laughs> ...have poked their heads out of the sub... Saying basically that there was supposed to be an earth shattering kaboom. Where's the earth shattering kaboom? <laughs> yeah, it was just like <laughs> real dumb guy energy about like, huh, we fired a nuke. So what the fuck? Yeah. The nuke went off. It just went off in the atmosphere as opposed to on the ground. So, yeah. And then they're like, yeah. so uh, well, what should we do next? And they're like, well, we should probably not get too hot and heavy with everything, especially considering there's two bogeys approaching from us. And they're like, well, what if they're from the Chinese Air Force? We should probably wait and see what's about to happen here. Uh, we cut back to Kayabuki, who starts explaining that she wants the country to achieve national independence through personal independence. And her speech continues over a shot back to the sub as the two jets fly near it. And it turns out that she put together a secret SDF Air Force whose jets do a scary flyby over the nuclear sub. Yeah, they uh Hell yeah, secret military projects. That's what I want, Mora. Extrajudicial killings? Hell yeah. Yeah, apparently the Prime Minister really loves those. We'll get to that. <laughs> it's funny that like her yeah. whole thing against Takakura is like Takakura wanted to beef up the military super again because he was in the defense contract shit. And she's like, No, we gotta have personal independence and not rely on America, which requires a beefed up military, which she did. So yeah. like she's kind of shitting on Takakura for the whole military thing, but at the same time, she did exactly that. That is her plan. I yeah. feel like go to one Would, uh, wasn't that his point? Like basically. militaristic Japan. This is a question I hope we're gonna <laughs> talk about after the second episode, but was it really Would you Takakura say the prime, or Goda? 
Would you say the prime minister exercised girl power when she ordered an <laughs> yes. unauthorized oh, yeah. girl boss nuclear this submarine? American nuclear submarine. Yes. That, well, this whole scene, girl boss energy for sure. It's very strong neoliberal bullshit. Yeah. Yes. The, I mean, this is like a loving shot of these jets doing like a twenty-foot flyover of the nuclear sub, and like you see the tra- they they like go sideways, and you see the wing trail like basically splash over these dudes who had poked their head out of the nuclear sub. It's, to- it's Top Gun as fuck. Yes, and at this point, they're like, "Well, Japanese of uh, the Japanese nation has made its intentions clear. Let's get the fuck out of here." <laughs> As Kai, like match cut to Kayabuki ordering Togusa to take him away, boys. As any they lead to- Takakura out. Uh, Major and Bato board a helicopter with Kuze here. Bato takes back the knife that Kuze stole from him back in the su- in the sewer fight up in uh, not Russia. And, yeah. and here's where my other prediction of something will definitely happen to Kuze on the way to a black site, and I'm like. Guys, no, don't let him just be taken away. No! They're on the helicopter. They haven't let him out of their sight yet. <laughs> yet. Yet. Um, and this is where Major notices that he's taken a bite out of the apple and goes like, oh, what the fuck? Not symbolism. Um, now we're getting a little transubstantiation in here. Don't worry about it. So uh, as they fly the helicopter over the bridge, Major tells Paz, Zaito, and Boma to stay put and give a report of everything to the army so that they can get their story out there. Yeah, she sticks them with the paperwork. (laughs) I'm going to ride in the helicopter, guys. Uh, We cut over to Ishikawa running up to Spring 8 when an unmarked car with tinted windows just sort of like drives up right in front of him, rolls the window down, and the guy sticks a gun at him like, I will be taking that plutonium, she... Yeah, it's one of Goda's men's super obvious. Yeah. Um, and it's like, oh, yeah, I'm here to pick up the plutonium from you guys. And Ishikawa has the best, like, tired dude face Un- on him. Unbelievable <laughs> like, levels of not dealing with this shit right now. And energy. He's, Absolutely like, he's a foot away from this guy's window and the guy's pointing a gun at him, uh, holding the plutonium in his good arm. But he just fucking punches him with his cast arm and goes like... Come on, you fucking idiot. Section 9 basically invented information warfare. You're not going to get away with that shit. It's a truly excellent moment in this episode. Yeah, this the man punch is, is very quick. It's very funny. It's it's perfectly sold, and it is a good like completion to Ishikawa's arc over these last few episodes where he's mostly been hospital <laughs> and, guy. Yeah, and he just slams him in the face with the cast, too. Like yeah. It just hits different. It's so good, yep. yeah. Guy didn't see that one coming. Um, so Takakura basically is like in his reigning thing here, giving a speech, uh, about how the vassal state can choke out their consumer states and how if their rights are asserted too aggressively, the arteries of capitalism will harden. And I'm just basically like, how's that boot taste, buddy? Yeah. (laughs) Typical neocon bullshit. Yeah. And it is also sort of doing like the other other thing that the show kind of swerves into at the last second where it's kind of compares the situation between Japan and the refugees with the situation of Japan and America under the security treaty. Yeah, it's the same thing, just on a different scale, more or less. Yeah, And like the the next like five minutes of the episode to end it goes super, super hard into that, but I feel like it just hasn't been played up enough. We haven't seen enough of Takakura's character for this to land. Yes. Like if he was more neocon, like Bush-esque bullshit going on here about yeah. how free market's going to win everything, like the, that could have been a good you know ending to his whole character arc. But again, yep. we see maybe 10 minutes of him the entire season. 
Yeah, we also get like a match cut on his speech to Goda giving a separate speech to a bunch of CIA spooks uh, in a fedora talking about how Japan thinks of itself as capitalism, as capitalist, but it's actually a paragon of socialism. <laughs> My Marxist and, ass is just laughing at this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a little bit. And like he, he really starts stretching <laughs> the metaphor, the, the whole body metaphor where he says... When waste matter builds up in the arteries, brains are needed to manage the blood's distribution, <laughs> and I'm just that brain for you guys. Um, this is this reeks highly of a Silicon Valley guy getting kicked out of his job and pivoting hard into his next career. Oh yeah, Raytheon <laughs> all the way, baby. Yep. Um, and he's like, I'm sure you all know about it in your country. At which point, the uh, one of the guys who I think we now see that he is the CIA spook from season one. The yes. uh, Bato episode. Um, he's just like, yeah, haha, you're just the perfect slime ball for us, buddy. So Goda is clearly defecting to the to the American Empire mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, and as they walk out towards the exit, Aramaki, Togusa, and a bunch of cops bust in to arrest Goda. Uh, the chief gives his big arresting speech and says that Takakura has totally squealed on him, and also his whole nuke play was a big bust, so you've really fucked up on everything, haven't you, buddy? At this point, Goda's like, oh yeah, arresting me would be pointless, since I already squealed on Takakura, and the report is in the Metropolitan Police Headquarters already. The laws say that you can't charge me if I come forward voluntarily, bitch. This is a real thing, actually. Like, I guess you can't, if you're the only witness or the only material evidence for a crime, uh, they can't charge you with it. Yeah, and that like, was the letter that he uh, yeah. submitted last time to basically cover yeah. his ass for this whole thing not mm. quite working. Um, he's like, my relationship with Takakura is standalone, and since I already squealed on him, like, you can't do anything to me. I'm going to go to America, since they clearly value my services more than more than <laughs> Japan. At which Togusa is basically like, ah, then you've activated my trap card. <laughs> he pulls out a note from Kayabuki saying that Goda is a unique talent, but if there's any risk that he'll, fall, that he'll end up defecting to another country, Section 9 has direct orders to prevent that at any cost, which... Including lethal force. Yeah. They like specifically are like, also, we can kill you. And he's just like, yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> oh, sure you will. Well, the CIA guy's like, nah, he's bluffing. And was like, yeah, he's bluffing. Let's just walk all right past all those dudes who have guns trained on us. I, I think this is the scene where uh, where Togus is like, so how are you going to play this, bub? <laughs> like, yes. Togus gets to go full cop here. <laughs> you want to do this the easy way or all the bullets way? Uh, at which point they do this the all the bullets way because they all make to leave at which point the elevator door opens and Bato and the major fucking Merc go to yeah it's very gruesome he's getting shot up hardcore a lot of brain explosions brain case explodes all that fun stuff I have super mixed feelings they disassembled his head piecemeal yeah it was bad it is like I mean like Goda had to die. That is where it was going. You know, otherwise he was gonna get away. He was above reproach from the law, so he, you know, something had to be done to get the retribution kind of thing. But with the but, like the prime minister says, I can kill you, and then they just shoot him, and it's they they don't they they just ignore it. They move on from this entirely. There's nothing about. Is it okay that the prime minister just ordered them to extraditionally murder this this man? So unethical. (laughs) 
yeah, the show also like forgets that there was like a philosophical debate behind this. Like all of this was a metaphor. Yeah. And then they just forgot and shot the metaphor in the head. <laughs> but it's good actually. You yeah, know, again, and, and it this, is that like go ahead. I was gonna say like this and the uh, next upcoming death. Like again, they need way more time to go yeah. on these. Even Absolutely. if like you don't like agree or disagree with like how the deaths happen themselves thematically, like it just needed more time to happen. Well, it- I would have preferred if Goda had been shot in a in a dark alley, like on the way to see the Americans, if he'd been shot in a dark alley, and not at the order of the prime minister, yes. which really yes. just makes it hit a bit different. It does a little bit. Yeah, because it also brings in the fact, like you know. Togusa had the whole episode like he's a cop but he killed someone outside or he injured someone outside like can the cops go do these extrajudicial killings which they do all the time like Boma just straight up murdered that guy from that you know whole uh, jury episode or whatever but like yeah this seems like the kind of washes the hands of section 9 doing the killing in the name of the prime minister as opposed to them taking the law into their own hands and that gets a more gray area exactly Um, and it's also, I think the big, like, like kind of one of the big tells of this is that this is where they recognize that this is one of the CIA spooks from last season. Mm-hmm. And like the only physical representation of the American empire that we've had in this whole series are the two dudes who showed up pretending to be Japanese in episode 10 of season one. Yeah. Like I, they're I the feel, only real touch point. Yeah. I also feel the localization could have done a better job with the scene. Cause I have to go back and think about yes. this for a second. Cause establishing like, who this even was because yeah, Otto's ap- like, wait, who the, wait, it's you, but you it, prick. You yeah, don't really get says. to see says who it's it actually you, you prick is. or something like that. You could have said like the CIA guy or something like yeah. that, which would have been a way better, you know, clue in localizing. Yep. But yeah. Um, and that's when they suddenly realize, Oh shit. The American empire is doing a cleanup job. Uh, they rush off to get to get over to Kuze before that continues, which gives us the final defenestration of the series. <laughs> As the one last rep, one last rep. Major runs they through tie a hotel my arms lobby and legs and behind my back. I'm strapped to a chair, but what they don't know is I let a t- I open my mouth and a tiny window falls out. I tilt my chair forward through it. One last rep. <laughs> Major jumps out of the window and flies off of it. Yeah, the helicopter from earlier is parked down here, and there's a van and a bunch of people outside. (laughs) So they try to get to Kuze, but the other CIA spook from episode 10 of season one is already with him, murdering him with micro machines as he folds one last crane with his hand. Mm -hmm. Uh, He says that Kuze's fascinating but dangerous. Japan has no need of a charismatic leader that can't be controlled. They much prefer, or we much prefer docile consumers, uh, which once again, we like do the refugees to the Japanese people under the American empire and all that mm-hmm. kind of thing, which just, I would have really liked this plot point if it had had a little more time in the oven. Exactly. Like that both, is the yeah. biggest filing. Both his and Gota's death just didn't have enough time to actually yep. make their points dramatically. Yep. So Kuze fades away and like you see his mouth moving one last time saying that he'll go on ahead. Uh, And again, the transubstantiation slash transhumanism here as he uploads himself to the net is uh, wowzers. Hmm. Jesus Christ, one might say. (laughs) Uh, So 
<laughs> they have like a fade to white too. Yeah. Like they were like, can we make this more clear that it's good? <laughs> so we finally cut to a flower garden sometime later. All of section nine are in like totally new outfits. Uh, and we ask, and Major asks a Fuchi coma, which is a green, bulkier version of our beloved babies, for a report. And we get like some really robot-y dialogue from them. Yeah, they uh, almost like when the Tachikomas were pretending to be robots. Yes, but, <laughs> yeah, but these ones, yeah, these ones don't have the souls, I guess you the could say. The chips, yeah. Tachikomas had. Uh, so Aramaki fills them in that all of this bullshit that's gone on has set the refugee situation back to square one, and with Japan striking. <laughs> I, I don't know if it did because. Right. <laughs> They pretended to have nukes. There was a whole situation with nukes. People saw a nuke go off. It didn't reset anything. Right. The situation the is just changed, more tense. No, 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 no. Status quo is back. We're, we're, we're over. Everything's fine Every now. season ending has to reset the status quo. <laughs> it really quo. does. I don't think this one's as bad as one. No. Um, but now that Japan is striking out on its own, Section 9 is going to be needed more than ever. Um, Major looks kind of pensive. At this point, which Bato kind of calls we're out. We're going to need lots of extra ju judicial killing. <laughs> yeah. 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 The yeah. Prime Minister has given them several notes of several people that they can just murder. Well, they also mentioned that they're like, special now. Major's budget has been passed. So I guess now Major just submit got to submit a budget for Section 9 that got passed in its full thing. So like... Section 9 is basically like a power player in Kayabuki's government at this point. I feel like anyone in Section 9 who's been there for more than like three years upon hearing like, we're going to need you guys now more than ever is just like, oh, oh no. no. <laughs> like, we need to hire oh, more that's people. that's a bad sign. <laughs> yeah. Do we get a raise with that? Absolutely I'm a, not. No? I'm kind of surprised that Section 9 hasn't unionized against the boss for inhumane working conditions. <laughs> you would think. <laughs> Oh, the Tachikomas would have let that charge. It's true, yes. Yeah. As soon as they learned what a union was, they'd oh, yeah. be all over it. Absolutely. No teach the Tachikomas about unions. <laughs> <laughs> so, Togusa wonders if the Major's getting all philosophical on them, but the Fuchikoma reports that the budget just passed, and that means they're back on the job. So Major's like, all right, everyone, Operation Just Sit and Watch These Cherry Blossom is over. We're back on it. Uh... Everyone basically gives a one-liner at this point and hops back into their tanks to get ready to go, but Motoko stays that back, that still It should be said distant. that all these one-liners are like, yeah, good job, Major. Don't think too hard about what happened. <laughs> They're one-liner, really, for all this. It's, like it's really, really weird because this feels like it's setting other things up that I don't know if they'll get paid I, off in future media. I, I totally feel that they were fishing for a third season here. I kind of think so with all of this. Because like, there's a moment as they take off where Bato's like, hey, are you going to like debrief us to the brain dive? And Major's like, nah, you go on ahead without me. And Bato feels like he's about to say something. She's like, what is it? And then he's like, nah, it's nothing. And it just gets left there. At the end. So, like, they were clearly, especially with all the, like, Bato is your support network thing, looking to, like, deepen that a little bit further, but it just never happened. It's also more that, like, the both Kuze and the Tachikomas uploaded themselves to the net, presumably. They yeah. were also setting up um, the Prime Minister, Kaibuki, to be a more major character, it seems yep. like, going forward. The whole thing with trying to become more independent for the United States. There yep. was a lot of loose plot threads they could have pulled on in Season 3, but they never oh, got yeah. it, so... 
Um, so we get a song as they all get back to their wet work jobs, riding tanks on the on highways and stuff like that. And uh, that's how Ghost in the Shell standalone complex ends. It's a pretty good series, though. Again, some editorial things could have been changed to make it better. But I, I feel like there like was it. just a lot of different ideas being placed. And if they had managed to, like, drill down into some of them... More? I feel like they needed to either commit to Goda or commit to Kuze. I feel like they tried to straddle the line. Yes. They could have had two seasons with each of those characters being an antagonist for the season. Yes. And it would have worked way better, in my opinion. If they wanted to do the political thriller, uh, Goda was pretty fun with his information control being an evil madman bad guy. And if you wanted to do more of the philosophical thing about the techno future, you know, post-humanism, Kuze's right there. But they kind of merged the two and it didn't work. Yeah, you also could have, like, made Kuze a minor character in something like this that Gota, like, acts as a kingmaker for, like, mm-hmm. for his own reasons. And then, oops, he accidentally gave him too much power to where he actually, like, gets all the time for development that he needs in a next follow-up season. Yeah. You know, like, they could have actually led into each other where Gota accidentally has created a monster or really just created the conditions for Kuze's revolution yeah, if season two was Gota creating Kuze and season three yeah. was Kuze's revolution, that would be great. It would have been a good setup for that. Yeah. But We're here, they kind of yeah, try to Yeah, trying to have both at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, having both at the same time, like, really, really muddles it. Especially considering, like... Not to be rude, but the, the the pacing and the way they bounce back yeah. and forth between the two of them, every time it switches, I have to be like, oh, right, what was this motherfucker doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, every single time. Because it's like, you know, four episodes of one guy, and then five of another, and then three of one guy, and then two of another, and then one of Gota, and then 17 Akuze, and then one of Gota, and then please more Gota. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also, like, it makes the, like, some of the plot points that I think could have been really interesting work a lot less when they get as little time as they do. For example, the office space. Like, <laughs> we all forgot like, about the office space. I feel like it gets brought up. It gets, you know, mentioned yeah, for a single episode and then it just gets dropped completely. Never comes up again. Yeah, he's like, an office never space relevant. so that they're rich and can buy the plutonium. And that's like basically it. Yep. And it gets brought up like 10 minutes before it's relevant. Like, you could have done a lot more with that if he was just mysteriously rich for a long time and you eventually learn, but they did not have time to do that. Mm. You know, it's funny rewatching season two. Like my, I watched season two, God, more than a decade ago last time. Mm. And like, I remember really liking it, but having redoing this podcast with you, like it's becoming more and more obvious. A lot of the flaws in season two that, uh, yeah, I know have kind of soured me since rewatching this. And now I think season one's obviously way better than two. I definitely, um, like, I hated the finale of season one. Um, It's probably my least favorite episode of all of them. But I, and I liked Gota very much. But I think that one was probably, like, despite having a bunch of standalone episodes, it was a bit more consistent when it's Laughing Man stuff. And I I do think that two kind of swerved. Did it too much Apple? Yeah, somewhere in the middle, yeah. it swerved and went, oh, okay. <laughs> Just don't know where you're going with this. Okay. Yeah. I feel really similar. I feel like um, all the, the thing is, season one, there was very clearly one main, strong, yes. driving plot. And then there were short breaks to help you have time to digest said plot and get more invested into the characters and stuff. 
Whereas season two, it really does feel like they're just trying to juggle three plots at the same time. As much as they possibly can really in one up, shot. And yeah, also and, doing and, some, And none like, really end up fully developed. Yeah. yeah. Like, you end up with a lot of the stuff about the refugees, but, like, then at the very end they go, ah, but it's actually about Japan's relationship with the American Empire and how we're basically a vassal state to them. And it's like, no, you haven't done the homework for this. Yeah, it goes to... Also... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, also in like a very season one ending way, it, it's just very unsatisfying in how it kind of gets deus ex cleaned up a mm. little bit. Like, yes. w- particularly with, yeah, like Gota and Kuze's death. It's yeah. just like, oh, fuck, we got two minutes. Uh, 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 <laughs> crime's legal. Yeah. Okay, crime's legal again. I, <laughs> like, I think yeah. why I didn't, I, I did find this one, this finale also like really rushed. Um, but I like the baby sacrifice as much as I'm killing my poor husband <laughs> over the fact that he predicted this. But their like <laughs> song and sacrifice was like pretty moving, and it did actually feel like a climax. You know, it felt like there was a big problem that needed to be solved, and you know, they were the only ones who could do it, so they realized they could sacrifice themselves. The Tachikomas also, also great closure. Yeah, the yeah. Tachikomas also were way more developed characters than Kuze or Ghost yes. combined. Yes. So that's why their death was more impactful in the choice yeah. that they made there. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. Uh, also, like one of the big questions that the Tachikomas had, and like hopefully by the end of it, the audience is kind of like, nah, they're people. But like there's this whole question of like, you know, are they independent people? Yeah, you know, do they have that sense of individuality, as the major put it? And like defying orders yeah. to do self-sacrifice is about as clearly like yeah, yeah. sentient as you can get <laughs> as, really yeah and it, yeah yeah there's no there's no real an- yeah there's no way to answer that more clearly and cleanly in a way that is satisfying but also heartbreaking that's yeah and, that's well done and yeah it was an actual sacrifice because i feel like in season one my problem with finale was like nobody sacrificed anything they just got off scot-free and everyone's Everyone's fine. Nobody dies. Except for the babies. Except the babies, but they had all been dismantled anyway. And, like, uh, I just thought it was really anticlimactic. And I feel like this at least, like, it did build to a conclusion, even if after the babies sacrificed themselves. <laughs> after the conclusion. They kind of lost a little bit in how uh, Gora and Kuze died, but. It, it, thinking about it, like Ghost in the Shell has always been like three parts. It's always been like political thriller, cop procedural, and like cyberpunk transhumanism stuff. Yeah. And like the first season did a decent balance of those three, but the second season went way hard into the political thriller stuff. Yes. And rarely even touched on the cyberpunk stuff. Yeah, so I, I almost feel tries, like the the thing is, it tries to do it, and it almost overcompensates for how little a time they have for it. Yeah. So that whenever they do bring it up, they need to have someone failing to lift a slab, having a holy light shine down on them while someone nearby digs them out with a cross. Yeah. Like, that's kind of my problem with Honestly, it. Is, yeah. Yeah they, yeah, they spend so much time on the political stuff, which, like, is okay. It's fine. It's not incredible. Like, the intrigue is okay. The relationships between the characters is fine i still didn't give a shit about tarakuda or whatever his fucking <laughs> name was at the end of this like i didn't give a fuck about he that guy so when he started i still don't really he doesn't get evil. any time that's the problem with him yeah. no yeah he's got like a grand total of like three minutes of screen time in 26 episodes it's almost like damn they could have done something yeah. about that they actually <laughs> needed to lean in harder like they kind of they were like we've leaned in really hard to put the thriller and then realized 
shit, we're ghosts in the shell. We need to have like cyber. What about the next state stuff. of human consciousness? God damn it! All right, Kuze, <laughs> he he's gonna do that stuff, and it's like, no, you needed to like really lean in harder with the Goda and then Takakura stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of just like veered away at the last minute. They could have. Yeah, I mean. If leaning into that, if by that you mean just kind of removing Kuze for yes. now and leaving Kuze for a theoretical third season, yeah, I think yeah. you're 100% on the money. I don't think there's a better solution than that, yeah. There could have also been more of a conflict with Kuze's revolution, like in the state yes. thinking that he's going to do like a traditional, you know, new self-governance revolution when he's a revo- resolution. Ah. Revolution was, in fact, uploading ourselves to the internet. Yeah, on another level entirely. And they can't fundamentally understand what his vision is. Yeah, they could have played into that angle a lot more. But again, we didn't see Kuze's... uh, I keep saying revolution. Revolution... um, Well, well, yeah, it was revolution, yeah. yeah. We didn't get to it until the end of episode 25. Yes. Yeah, that's (laughs) kind of a problem. When Major's just like, oh, hey, what... Is your revolution actually? We've kind and of looks been, directly at the camera. We've been chasing you for about eight episodes, but we don't actually know anything about you. What's up, pal? What what is actually your story, buddy? And and honestly, like I think the questions that Kuze posed would be way more interesting in a third season with the context of the Tachikoma sacrifice behind it, right? Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. then you have the whole idea of these entirely digital, you know, life forms that kind of like clearly developed a soul and sentience and like self-awareness and stuff and the ability to make a sacrifice, you know, shit like that. So that there's like always that hanging over this discussion of like, well, maybe we shouldn't be so dismissive of the idea of like just being digital information as a life. If we can also accept these Tachikomas who did the sacrifices being that same kind of life form. It like helps ease the audience in and gives them a backboard where if they're just instantly dismissive, the show can kind of be like, ah, but you love the babies. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and yeah, it feels like if it was set up that way, it would be more meaningful. They'd have more time to lean into it. And then they could have a third season where they just, the whole, just 26 episodes of Bado with a cross. <laughs> oh God. The season you've been demanding. Yeah, so yeah, the this, babies uh, uh, did upload their memories, which of course yeah. was like Kuzi and the Major's question, like, does uploading your memories upload Count. your ghost as yeah. well, you know? And this also could, again, tying into the Proto's whole thing. If Proto saw all of the shit happen from, you know, the political thriller in season two, would he start having questions about his own identity? And that would yeah. have been an interesting character. Because, I mean, yep. Proto is very similar to, say, like, Data in Star Trek Next Generations. And then, like, he's obviously self-aware of who he is. He's, you know, an android. But, like, he's trying to become more human, maybe? It seemed that way anyway from the series. From the, I don't know, I feel like he's only in it for about 10 minutes total. Yeah. Maybe 20 minutes of screen time, yeah. Uh, I don't think I would even give a full episode of screen time. They like when did they actually introduce? He was Proto? first seen I feel in like... the episode with the Tachikomas thinking about where their satellite is. He was in the background helping those red tech guys. Yes, he was maintaining them. Okay, when was his first meaningful speaking role. Uh, well, that was that episode, but it's just he then well, kind of disappears for a bit after that. He barely spoke, but then he turns up with the chief when yeah. the chief is on the roof talking to his source yeah. uh, the helicopter. He, yeah. he has like a decent number of lines right. in that first episode, but mostly being bemused about the babies and then he kind of yeah, just disappears it, until like yeah, the, the chief, kind of bullying like, way later. Yes, Honestly, they are. It's, it's to funny. the p- 
it's to the point where yeah when like he comes back later it's almost like a, oh that? remember it's that guy from the other episode yeah. thing and like like a cute callback but then it's like oh no you're supposed to this is a guy now yeah well, <laughs> this like, is a guy it's now like, like, it's like, oh, like okay. he, he's in the episode where he tries to kill the prime minister and then he fucking disappears yeah for <laughs> I mean, a while i didn't realize he was the guy in the opening for several episodes <laughs> Yeah, the the series does that in a couple ways. Like for Azuma and Yano show up in episodes way before they actually get speaking roles or like the show brings attention to them being there. And in a way, I don't mind that so much because it's nice to have something, you know, show up in the background before it becomes irrelevant to the plot. But again, like they just needed more time for some of these characters. Sometimes especially. it also just calls attention to how little time they had to do yes, it. Yes, yeah. it's like, oh, they were in one episode. They haven't been seen either background or any otherwise. And now they're back and they're actually important now. And you're like, oh, okay, that's <laughs> fine. Yeah, it almost feels like they like had a list of endings to complete. Yes. And then like partway through the season they were like oh my god we haven't even started the proto storyline fuck 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 yeah (laughs) (laughs) it would be interesting to see like someone go back and like i don't know remaster the season into like two seasons because they have a lot to work with here there's a lot of material here yes that just needs better pacing and better editing yeah i do feel like the new additions to section nine like didn't they didn't hit they, at they, all. No, they got less screen time than like uh, Paz and Boma, and you know the, the kind yeah. of other incidental. And, and Paz and Boma already one. don't get enough screen time. Yeah. Yeah. They were kind of like go, them go in ahead. season one, but like even less time. Like in season one, they were always like they, the major would be like Boma, go do this, and you would see them in a scene in an episode, and every couple of episodes just they'd there. be there. But, like, the newbies got, like, even less than that. Yeah. So they were a non-entity. Yeah, and then they tried to pull the pathos were... thing with Yano's death. And, like, you don't even know that dude. No. <laughs> they were disgusted by Bato. And that's, like, the most I can say about... Wait, one of them died? Holy shit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, Is one you... of them dead? Yes. Like, Is that a joke? I said literally... <laughs> I said literally, uh, like, when I, was, when I was reading through your questions, I thought to myself, I was like... You know, if you put a gun to my head and asked me to name any of the other Section 9 members that got added other than Proto, you'd have to shoot me in the head. <laughs> like, I would have no answers. And now you're telling me one of them died? When? Uh, in the boat shootout scene when they were chasing uh, Kuze in, in Russia. Episode. Yeah, the boat Yomi episode. And they were really, they were really mad at the Major because she fucked oh, up right. and got a rookie killed. That yeah. yeah. Right. They were sad because... Um, who was it who killed, got killed? Oh, you know. <laughs> That's no, close to me. <laughs> I'm sure we saw oh, him in the poker episode. Yes, he was in that. He's in the, yeah, he's in the back on the poker episode. Azuma actually had some talking lines in that episode, so he shows up a bit more. But Yano was just kind yeah. of there. He didn't there really do a whole lot, and he got shot. Congratulations, you've been elected for fridge duty. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Fuck. Yeah, there's... Uh, well... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to move on to the next question here, because uh, I think it's pretty good. Sure. Go ahead, say what you were going to... Uh, I was going to do the same, so bring up the next question. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. What question are we even what, on what, at this point? <laughs> yeah, well, I think uh, the, the whole idea of Kuze's revolution, and did, or did we already do that? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking entirely at this point. I, I feel like we've jumped all over these questions. Yeah, we've jumped honest. kind of all of them. The one I was going to go to was uh, the Goda's Individual 11 virus plan. Um, oh yeah! Oh yeah! So that his whole his whole idea was to hide a so virus. <laughs> yeah, he wanted the king make someone by hiding it in a virus, 
of some books that he really liked, I guess. Maybe he read them during his thesis paper assignment or something. Oh, yeah, yes. he is absolutely a PhD student, and nobody read his thesis, because nobody reads anybody else's thesis. That's just just <laughs> yeah. a spoiler for It's not for you. done. If you're a PhD student right now, nobody cares about your thesis. I'm saying this as I read... a doctor. <laughs> nobody read my thesis. <laughs> I read two pages of my sister's thesis and told her it was great, and that's all I've ever read of my own. <laughs> flesh and bloods. I haven't read my wife's thesis. Oh yeah, I gave him a copy. It's here. It's here. I can do it if I want it. I won't. It's it's 320 pages. Please don't read it. 320? (laughs) Jesus Christ, I would die. I actually had to get it. The the university wouldn't bookbind it for me because it was too long, so I had to go (laughs) to a specialist in the city to get it found. And they were like, I'm so sorry. And I had to pay out of pocket for that. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's sick. That's so good. No, that's good. <laughs> no, yeah, Nagoda go to- has like supreme like grad student thinks he was like hard done by vibes. Like I, I met several. Oh, oh god, even guys. the like little detail that you gotta be a virgin. Like oh. it's such a like weird little throw in, but it does also inform his character a lot. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like. There's two sides of this question I want to ask. First off is like the whole idea of having information be able to assemble itself into some sort of virus like post-fact is kind of interesting. But the main thing is like his like whole take on having someone read all this revolutionary information to do to get a virus which makes you be under his control. Like do you think his own personal backstory influenced that? Like they talked about earlier in the season how before he had his horrific, you know, disfiguring accident, he was just kind of a nobody. But once he became disfigured, he sort of had a new personality. Once I put on the mask. Yeah. So, like, do you think, like, this was him trying to get back at the world maybe for his accent? Or do you think it was more if he decided he was more important to now that he had become a person, like, more identifiable, I guess? I, I feel like he was always kind of megalomaniacal, but, like... Too a shy. bit too normy originally. Yeah. yeah, it definitely, rather than the accent itself, he's mad at the world for not paying any attention to for him. For not giving him yes. the credit he so greatly deserves. Yeah, it, it, yeah, he definitely has incel vibes coming off of him. Oh, yes. huge, huge ones. Yeah. Yeah, it was also like another question is, do you think like this whole situation with the Individual 11, the whole deal with the Individual 11 is eventually the start of war for defense contractors. That was like the top one line synopsis. Do you think this was more his idea or Takakura's? Because he obviously was the antagonist for the entire series, but Takakura had in show more power than he ever had. Yeah. So, so like, like this was definitely, Takakura definitely talked with Goda and was like, I want to, you know, I don't know, get power of the American Empire. Do get me that. And Goda went ahead. My and, thesis. <laughs> and Goda like was like, yeah, I can do I can do that for you, buddy. And just went ahead with his like fucking weird ass plan to do it. Yeah. I and probably like called Takakura when he needed like resources or something along those lines. Cause like there's a couple times where Goda pulls things that are so far above his station it's not exactly, even funny yeah. like just a random yeah. airstrike so like clearly he's using takakura's influence and also this is just one more layer of Gota being like i needed to prove i was the specialist boy yeah. who deserved to be in charge of everything and then it's like takakura is like 
it's time for your 5 a.m. face flattening. And, yeah, 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 that's funny. <laughs> like, it's absolutely just listening to Takakura the whole time. I, I, uh, it, it pisses me off because, like, Gota was and could have been a really interesting character. And then they, like, kind of made it like he's definitely just below Takakura, which could have been interesting if Takakura was more developed. Yeah, I yes. feel that in our, like, magical restructured second or third <laughs> season, if we had had Takakura be a Neocon in, like, the Bush years Neocon, he could have had a great character to him. Yeah. Not that I'm saying that Neocons are great characters. I'm saying, <laughs> him, no, they, they make you know great what villains. I mean. Yeah, they're Absolutely good villains. Absolutely wonderful villains, yes. Yeah, and, like, I feel yeah, that... Yeah, like... And they could have even had him do, like, the whole... They could have had Gota as this, like, you know, behind-the-scenes nasty man stuff and then have him be, like, you know, this kind of friendly, goofy guy who maybe, you know, mispronounces nuclear a couple times or whatever. Yeah, I feel you like... Know? They could have, like, pushed him that way. If Takakura <laughs> there's, was there's the so Cheney to, like, Gota's, I don't know, Colin Powell or something, like, they could have gone places with this. Well, right. It also would have fed into Gota's character as well of, like, he is doing all this for this plan and this jackass over here is still above him. Like, yeah, maybe he could have this tried is his ultimate or something. Super move, and he is still just some fucking government lackey. Isn't that pathetic? Like, feels like it fits in with the character of Gota as they have, you know, set him up up to this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of sad that they will <laughs> never get this proper second season. <laughs> <laughs> It, it is. There's a lot of interesting ideas in it that I do like a lot, but there there is also so much going on. Yeah, I probably won't watch any of the later material, but like, do they delve into any of these questions in the later stuff? Because I think you've watched it, right, Kuba? So after the second season or second gig or whatever you want to call it, uh, there is a movie called Solid State Society. Uh, it's not very good. It's just really a long episode, and I don't think the themes are very good in it. And mm -hmm. then there's the newest season, uh, Ghost in the Shell 2045 or whatever it is, which I have not watched because I could not get past the terrible CG animation. We watched an episode on Anime Night and we were just yeah. like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then there's also Arise, which is its own thing. Don't watch that one. There's <laughs> 2045 is like a continuation of the standalone complex yes. universe, right? Yes, it is. Where um, Arise was a reboot of the series or like a, you Arise know, its was own a complete reboot. Gets yeah. property. Yeah. So short answer, no. no. Long answer, no. If you want to watch the second, <laughs> the second theatrical movie is okay because it continues where the first theatrical movie left off. Uh, that's okay. It has some really good animation in it. The plot's kind of meandering, but uh, it does. Like most ghosty shell, to be honest. Yeah, it doesn't go in as hard as the first movie did. It's just mostly Bato moping around and trying to figure out what happened to Makoto in the first movie. What's the deal with Tiny Major <laughs> over here? Yeah, I. God, I love how heavy-handed the first movie was. Like, I think back to it sometimes, and I think the only moment that was, like, as over-melodramatic as the movie was Bato with a cross, which is why it was so fucking funny when it happened. What the movie achieved effortlessly, this show needed two seasons to get to. Yeah. <laughs> two seasons and of doofus with a cross. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Great. Mm -hmm. uh. Well, uh, well I, that's all I got to say any, about this series. Any closing questions? Yeah. I mean, I still like them. I still think they're good. They obviously have some problems the second yeah. season more. But um, if you're going to watch a Ghost in the Shell franchise, watch the first movie. Uh, <laughs> first season of this I, is good, I too. I like the first season. Yeah. I think the first season was really good. Yeah. Like, honestly, a lot of the... 
especially like the intro to intrigue episodes, like the initial laughing man, like mm-hmm. Togusa in the Mind Freak Palace. Yeah, it's probably one of the That's best good. ones so of the series. Good. Yeah, it's probably my favorite episode of the whole show. Yeah, it, it like it just pulls you in, presents this wild shit, makes you doubt everything around you in a way that's really interesting. And it hits and then on the themes like, the show had, which is great. Yeah, yeah, and it leaves it up to you to figure it out. Like, it has enough faith in the audience to be like, yeah, what, was what real? happened? What do you think happened? What was real? Yeah, like, it doesn't try to answer any of it. It just presents you with all of it, puts it in context of the story, and moves along, and then it sets up so well everything. Oh, God, that episode's so good. And, uh... I wish they hired someone to write endings for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very yeah, fair. yeah. I liked season one apart from the finale, which really soured me on the whole season. Again, I really like the first so half bad. of the last episode of season one, where yeah. Toby yes. says like totally. Yeah. Uh, that, yes, that's great, and then they Goldfield. ruin it. Yeah, <laughs> and then they ruin it. It's like, oh god, why? Uh, I definitely. Yeah. They really do Simpsons Railroad the ending to be yes. just the same. Yeah, <laughs> status quo resumed. But, like, there, there were definitely episodes that I didn't like in both seasons and episodes I did like in both. Overall, I'm okay. You know, if they did, like, a, a another season of this, but it was all, like, X-File-esque standalone first season episodes where they just mm-hmm. come up with a wild sci-fi idea, explore yeah, it for 20 minutes, for and it. then leave it, that would be great. Because, like, I like, like, Asimov short stories that do basically the same thing. You know, there's yeah. 20 pages, he comes up with an idea, explores it for just that, and that's it. Wouldn't it be I, fucked yeah, up if yeah. there was a guy? The Togus yeah. of Mount Palace, for all that it eventually tied into the Laughing Man, was essentially a standalone yeah. episode. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I would like, I would like serious philosophical cyborg 009. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would rock. I mean, your yeah. Tachikoma uh, babies idea is great. Just get babies. them on screen for fucking twenty minutes discussing like <sighs> Kantian philosophy or something. And <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Who? Okay, wait. Who's the nanny in this situation? Oh God! I mean, the major, of course. Wait. But we only see her legs. Is it Bado? No, we see the major. Oh, I would legs just down. assume it was just. I would just <laughs> assume it was like Bado in his like combat khakis. Wait, wait. <laughs> Who teaches the Tachikomas about the birds and the bees, though? <laughs> That'd be pause. Obviously, the guy who fucks. Oh yeah. That makes, <laughs> why were you questioning this? <laughs> Do you really trust him to do it, though? He He's not very good at choosing partners, shall we? He never sleeps with a woman more than once. Yeah. Seems like a bad role model. God, why was that an episode? <laughs> why was that a whole episode? Hey, at least he got an God episode where fucking it. Boma didn't. Yeah, Boma didn't even get Boma. an episode. Boma got like a quarter of an episode when he was bomb-defusing, and that is it. And he, he it was kind of his episode when he, like... Decided to download the individual eleven virus into his brain. That was sort of his episode, but not much really came of it. No, and then he no. got punched out. So, yeah, that's sad. Congratulations to Boma. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so I guess yeah, we got to do the traditional bad movie to send off this season. Um, I don't know if we fully decided yet. We're doing but, the four um, of them, right? I thought that's what we were planning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, are we? Are we doing okay? It sounds right. like we're doing four. It sounds like we're doing four. This may take um, a little bit to get out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Christmas is yeah, coming up, there's so that's good. Because it's Christmas season right now, so yeah, this might take until like February. That's fine. We'll live. But regardless, look forward to four. Am I going to put in pixels or the pest? That's the real question. Well, anyway, do you want a suicide pack? Then let me time. do the one that you don't, because I'll just pick the one you don't. <laughs> 
if you pick Sex in the City two again, I will shit. By the way, <laughs> no, we, no one. Can't pick I'm, one we right done, now, can we say no, not no, allowed? I, can we say wait, not allowed? Yeah. Don't make me watch Sex in the City the bad two again. Romantic comedy. I've already got a couple in mind. So mm. okay, it's gonna great. Be great. Well, it sounds like the squad is all ready. So I'll see you next time uh, for season three of Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. <laughs> four bad movies that we watch. <laughs> <laughs> Till next time, space anime. Also, probably Pixels by Adam Sandler. Fuck. <laughs> <Bye>. Space Pixels. <laughs>